Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and so many things up for review this week. It is a jam-packed week. First up is the new film Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Then there's the new film Tetris, which is about the origin stories of Tetris. Then there's A Thousand and One, Rye Lane, and the new show The Big Door Prize. First up is Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and I think there are going to be three audience segments who are most concerned about whether or not they should see this movie, and I will address two of those together and then one group separately. So to people who are not familiar at all with Dungeons and Dragons or maybe only know it as a reference through pop culture or the zeitgeist or, you know, Stranger Things or whatever it may be, to you I say, maybe just ignore the fact that it says Dungeons and Dragons on it and go... Do I like fantasy movies and do I like comedy movies together? Do I like those two things in combination? Then I think you will have a very good time at Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves because it, that's just what it is. You know, I, I, you know, we'll talk about the hardcore stuff in a minute, but I think where it succeeds the most is it's just a band of characters who they establish pretty quickly together. You know, they give us the backstories in one go and, you know, how they all relate to each other. It's got Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae Jean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Chloe Coleman, Daisy Head, and Hugh Grant, who, again, Chris Pine and Hugh Grant in particular, wasn't exactly expecting them in these roles, but chef's kiss, like, great job there. They're perfectly cast. And then I think the other group of people who are going to be seriously invested and stressed out about this the fact that it says Dungeons and Dragons up front are tabletop RPG players and as someone who has you know is probably more of the camp of familiar through the cultural zeitgeist but has played some one shots you know and not for lack of trying to get a regular campaign going if anyone out there has space in your ongoing campaigns for a new player please let me know but to those folks I say aside from the you know stressors about the Wizards of the Coast stuff and Hasbro and all those things like I think you're gonna have a great time at this movie as long as you like fantasy, comedy, action, adventure, etc. altogether. You know, if you were self-serious about this, then I don't know if this is exactly the film for you. But but there are plenty of references that definitely plus up the experience. You know, as someone, like I said, who is vaguely but maybe a little more than the average Joe familiar with it. Like, who doesn't love a good joke at the Paladin's expense? That that type of stuff is absolutely rooted in there. You can tell that there's a love for it. And it doesn't go so far in that direction that it's inaccessible to broader audiences. But there's a bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge to people who are hardcore, you know, actual gamers. There are some big set pieces that I was like, oh, this is a very clever way to incorporate, you know, the actual origins of this game. So to all of those audiences... I recommend this movie. I had a really good time at it. I very rarely get to see new releases more than once, but this one I made time to see again. Like I said, the cast is really fun. I think the effects are good. The action doesn't become overwhelming. For me, it jibed with my sense of humor. There are a couple sequences, one in particular, that I laughed so hard at. But uh, if you are not a fan of that part of it and you want your more, you know, straightforward action fantasy movies like a, like a Lord of the Rings, this is not that. This is a bit more Monty Python meets Lord of the Rings. I keep referencing Monty Python, but that it truly you could you can feel those, you know, influences all over it. But overall, I had a delightful time. I think it's worth seeing. I'm going to give it a 4.3 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Next up is a film called Tetris, which is about, you guessed it, the origins of Tetris. It stars Taron Edgerton, and this was an interesting one for me. So I feel like I learned a lot during it, but I don't know if it was the right vehicle for it. I almost wonder if this would have been better as a documentary the more I think about it, but... You know, you've got Taron Edgerton as the man who basically 
bought some of the rights to Tetris, but, and this is hopefully not a major spoiler, but I learned this during the movie, you know, Tetris originated in the Soviet Union, and there were a lot of complications in terms of, like, who owns it and who has the right to distribute it and, you know, sort of uh, Western bloc versus the Soviet Union and all, all this sort of stuff. And I think where the film gets a little bogged down in some of that is it basically tries to turn into a spy thriller at some points, and I think it would have been more interesting focusing on the business side of it. You've got, you know, basically because of the time it's set in 1988, the KGB is involved because, you know, Soviet Union, like I said. But there are moments where I'm like, oh, I feel like you're maybe trying to be a bit too dramatized or too ambitious for what is actually happening. Now, I say this not knowing, you know, I'm sure the characters at the time felt, uh, I say characters, it's based on real people, but, you know, the characters that we are seeing felt that sense of intensity and all that stuff. But I don't know if the way that it is done in this movie does it justice. And so what I think may have been a better move is to focus on the, and maybe this is dorky, uh, but, you know, I think the the business side of it is really compelling. And I say this having seen Air which I'll do a review of next week. But, you know, it's the story of Air Jordan. And I'm like, yeah, this is basically, you know, a movie about contracts. And yet they did it in a very interesting way. And I, I think Tetris could maybe have taken a page out of their playbook. Now, however, I will say all this, but at the same time, it's still on Apple TV. So if you have Apple TV, like, I don't think there's a reason necessarily not to watch it. But I'm not running out to be like, oh, my God, you have to watch Tetris. I also think they set themselves up in a weird dichotomy because a lot of the storytelling is through, you know, like 8-bit gimmicky animations. And I'm like, could you not have figured out a way to show us this versus shortcutting? And then you've got the sort of lightheartedness of that compared to this this whole, like, oh, my God, our lives are at stake scenario. And I, I don't know if it tonally works across the board, but... I see what they were trying to do. I learned some things about video game history. You know, again, I assume Tetris was ubiquitous, but now realizing that, oh my God, maybe some of the youth don't know what it is, which is a very scary thing. So please learn what Tetris is. And if it requires you to watch this movie to do so, do so. But overall, I think it's a fine watch. I'm going to give it a 3.8 out of 5. Next up is a film called A Thousand and One, and it's from A.V. Rockwell. And this is a really tough one. So it stars Tayana Taylor as a character called Inez, who basically kidnaps six-year-old Terry from the foster care system. And then they, you know, basically try to make their way in New York City. And Tayana Taylor is so good in this. Like, she gives an excellent performance. I am not familiar with her work prior to this, but I think she gave an absolute powerhouse. And I know that's such a cliche term when it comes to actresses, but I do think, you know, she makes this movie. And I'm sure there will be awards buzz around her and having seen everything everywhere come out in early in the year in CODA, you know, it's, you can now carry your way through from an independent film, but that's the business side of it. The challenge of this movie is that it is very heavy and it is very hard to recommend. And it is also less three act structure than I think some people get used to, myself included. And it's a it's a more of a, a ambling slice of life, a long slice of life, but still a slice of life that you know, because there aren't as many cathartic moments or obvious pathways or resolutions paired with the fact that it is really heavy material, it can be a harder one to recommend. I think there are also a couple that, you know, I wasn't there at the time, but I feel like it does accurately represent mid 90s, early 2000s, like New York culture and culture in general. And as a byproduct of accurately representing that, some of the things in it feel antiquated and therefore even more compounding of the uncomfortableness watching it, which means it's successful in what it's trying to do. But as an audience goer, it's hard to be like, hey, 
Do you want to go be really depressed, but also not necessarily get a resolution to it? I got a movie for you. So I will say to you, anyone listening, hey, if you're considering, you know, if you want to, you need to go on an emotional journey, but aren't feeling the need to, to maybe, maybe you want to sit with it and don't want a resolution, then A Thousand and One is the movie for you. I, I think it's worth seeing for her performance alone, but it is a tough one to, I would say, you know, brace yourself emotionally, be in a good headspace before you see it. Uh, but yeah, she is excellent in it. It's an emotionally challenging one to watch, but I think it is well done. I'm going to give it a 3.8 out of 5. The next film I have this week is actually similar in that it's a sort of slice of life, more ambling story, although thankfully it is not nearly as depressing. It's called Rye Lane, and it's more of a romantic comedy type film. It stars Vivian Opara and David Johnson as two 20-somethings who are, you know, dealing with their breakups in life, etc., and they randomly meet in South London, and then they go on a, an adventure. Again, smaller slice of life, uh, less amount of time than 1001 covers, but it's basically like an extended meet cute. And this movie is only an hour and 22 minutes, which I think was correct. It was the right amount of time any longer and it would have felt uh, overly drawn out and any shorter. And I don't know if it would have qualified as a movie, but I think the two of them have a good chemistry together. I don't know if it, and, and maybe this is the intention behind it. You know, it's not as a smoldering chemistry as you might get in another type of film like this, but I think they are a good dynamic duo on screen. I was not familiar with either of them before. I think I'd see uh, David Johnson in industry, but I don't think he has a ton of screen credits, but I think similar to 1001, this is also trying to showcase a city and a moment in time. It's a modern moment in time in this case, but I will say at a certain point I had to ask myself what percentage of this film is B-roll shots of London because it does take a, a very loving eye to the city itself, but sometimes it feels a tiny bit like filler and when you're in an hour and 22 minute movie, you have to wonder how how much filler can you have, but I still think it is fun. I think they're a good pair together because it is so short and breezy. You know, there's not a reason not to watch it in that sense. I think, uh, you know, if you are watching it for the romance part of it, you probably are going to want have wanted a little bit more out of it. Like I that's that was my kind of takeaway from it. But I think it's still cute. So I'm going to give it 3.7 out of 5. And then the last thing I have this week is a new series on Apple TV Plus called The Big Door Prize. And I started watching this and I had to stop because it made me ask myself some introspective questions that I think it's more about the premise of the show made me ask this and maybe not the execution of the show. But I give it credit for, you know, forcing me to uh, uh, turn a, a mirror onto myself and, and ask my question. So the, the idea behind it is this machine shows up in a small town and it prints out for you your life's potential on a little card and the way people react to it is I think the most fascinating part right so some people take it super seriously some people are upset by what they get you know some people d disagree with what they get and I think the the question it made me ask myself is oh my god you know what would my life's potential be am I living up to it question mark and I think one of the most interesting things about the show it's kind of like horoscopes in some senses or prophecies I guess where do you become a self-fulfilling prophecy because it has been handed to you? If you never got the card or the prophecy or whatever, would it have would it have panned out the same way anyway? Or is that the sort of uh, inciting incident that sets you on the path? Or because you get this info, does it set you on a different path? All excellent questions. Again, I might be giving the show a little bit more credit than it deserves, or it doesn't explore that exactly, but I still enjoyed it. I think there are a couple points in it where it gets a little bit melodramatic, but but overall, I still blazed through it. Like, I, I watched the first two, again, had to take a pause because I was feeling a little bit down and, and some other stuff was going on. And again, it was making me think, like, am I reaching? The, but, but then when I picked it up, I blazed through the rest of it. It stars Chris O'Dowd, 
Gabrielle Dennis, Josh Segura, Ali Mackey, Damon Gupton, and Crystal R. Fox. And I left it wanting more. It's based on a book, so I can't speak to how accurate an adaptation it is. But it left me going, oh, I'd like to read the book because I am interested in, you know, how it worked as an adaptation. But as far as its shows go, I thought it was enjoyable. I also like it does something that the after party on Apple TV does where at a certain point, each episode is sort of dedicated to different characters, but there's a larger uh, interwoven story happening, which is always fun, you know, when you get a couple moments with characters. It's breezy. It's 10 episodes. It, it flies along. The first three drop together. That's the big door prize on Apple TV+. Plus. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.